Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We're glad you're here. Thanks for choosing this podcast to listen to out of your menu of podcasts. One thing that we ask you to do that really, really helps us is to leave a rating and review. And here's how it helps us. It allows us to read what you think of the podcast and it helps us get better. So let us know what you think so that we can continually improve the podcast so that you continue to listen to it. So we do read every one of those. We'd love to hear from you. Additionally, as people search for student ministry-related podcasts, it helps them find it if there are rating and reviews. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, and I am joined, as per usual, by the one and only producer, Nathan. What's up? How's it going? It's good, man. You, you hanging in there? Doing all right? Yeah, doing good. Doing well. Good. good. We, uh, at some point... Nathan, we need to have our uh, an F1 racing podcast. It won't be today, absolutely. But at some point, we need to get in on that. Our uh, our guest and topic today. Uh, well, let me give you the topic first. We're going to dive deeply into events in student ministry. We're going to talk about how to think about them strategically how to make them matter for your student ministry. We're going to talk about if they're even important. Is it something that you should even do? And we're going to talk about if events help build the culture that you're trying to build in, in your student ministry. And as we were thinking about this, uh, our guest is somebody that came to the top of mind because of their experience. So I'll give you the bio information and then we'll be right in with our guest today. Our guest is Derek Idle, and he serves as the executive director for the Center for Youth Ministry at Liberty University, is also a professor there, and he serves as the student ministries pastor at Thomas Road Baptist Church. Before joining the LU faculty, he served on staff in the local church all over the country at churches of different sizes, from 250 all the way to over 20,000, and uh, and that's in weekly attendance over the last 20 years of student ministry. Huge heart and passion to raise up the next generation of leaders. He's married has two kids, enjoys all things outdoors. Derek, it's great to have you, man. Thanks man, for joining it's us. It's great to be here. Yeah, dude, it's uh, it's been a little while since we've been in the same room together, um, but I, I've enjoyed getting to know you over the years, and uh, man, it's you've been a part of some really, really cool ministries, and so that's, and now teaching from an academic standpoint alongside that, those two things together, I think, bring a really unique perspective to this topic that we're talking about today. So, man, I, I would just throw out the, the right off the top first question to you, and that is, are events important for student ministry? Like, do we even have to do these things? Right, right. Well, I mean... I mean, it's 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 a great question, and I think you know, I kind of I kind of think of events just real quick. I kind of think of events as really anything that you do that is unique or maybe elevated outside of your kind of regular normal ministry programming, right? And so, you know, when I think of events, I think of it kind of, you know, that it would include things like camp or retreats or you know some bash that you might do at some time. And so there's there's kind of a myriad of ways to kind of look at look at events, but but I'll just kind of give you an example of something that I think kind of with a, like tell you a little story that I think would be kind of help um, uh, uh, you, th- you see how I kind of think about this. I was, uh, I was in my last church and a uh, large multi-site church and we're in this meeting my first year at the church and they had squashed camp. They just decided we're not doing camp anymore. It's mm-hmm. a money pit. Uh, every time we go somewhere, the kids break everything. Um, and, uh, and, and there was just some, 
there was just some poor leadership things apparently that had happened in the past that had just led them to the decision of, look, our return on investment, what we're seeing from a life change standpoint to what we're spending on a budget standpoint, staff hours and energy and all this stuff. We just don't think it's worth it. They canned it. So I get there and I'm, I'm, I'm big on camp. I think it's important to take kids away for a week, get them away from all the distractions in their life, you know, surround them with Jesus 24 seven gives me and my volunteers, you know, a hundred hours during that week to invest relationally with them and kind of elevate that, that, uh, that, that relational equity that you have with the students. So for me, it was, uh, kind of like a shot in the gut uh, that that they had quit this camp. So I had put together this whole proposal and we're sitting in this meeting and there's about seven people, some on the executive kind of team and some, you know, my boss and, and we're all sitting in this meeting. And uh, I kind of give this whole pitch about why camp's important, why I think we should go to camp. And I lay all this thing out and um, and they said, listen, I, we look, we love all those reasons and we think that's great. But, you know, and they give all their reasons. And so I said, well, listen, what if we what if we did it on a zero budget? So no money comes from the church. And, you know, what if we did it this way? What if we did it this way? So it doesn't tie up staff. And I kind of gave all these ideas. And I just still felt like even though my my ideas were good, it, we weren't we weren't really getting anywhere. And I just feel like mm. God, the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm telling you, it was like one of those moments where the Lord just prompted me and said, hey, ask them where they gave their life to Christ. So mm-hmm. I look at the first guy to my left and I say, hey, man, where did you give your life to Christ at? And he said, well, when I was a sophomore in high school, I gave my life to Christ at a camp. <laughs> and we went around the room and every pastor in the room had given their life to Christ at a camp, wow. including myself. And all but two had got called into ministry at a camp or some type of a retreat or some type of an event. And I said, guys, what are we even talking about? Why are we even having this conversation? Obviously, there's an impact. And then we we started doing camp again. And to me, like, to me, like that was, that is an example of, you know, many other things that when I look back over the history of the last 20 years of ministries that I've led in and current ministry that I'm leading in now, um, you know, these events offer an unbelievable opportunity for you to connect with students that are far from God, completely disconnected from, from the church that typically, they're just not going to come to a normal, let me come in here, worship and teaching on your regular student ministry yeah, night right. or your programming or whatever. So to me, there's a huge value in events from an evangelism standpoint. You know, I know there's a lot of, um, and we can talk about this a little bit, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, in a little bit, but, you know, I think there's a difference between being event driven and doing events. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, being strategic about the events you do and why you do them and all that, I think that's important. When you do events uh, and you're sharing the gospel, of those events and students are giving their life to Christ. Um, I believe that, man, they they provide a, a really important opportunity and a unique opportunity for students to invite their friends to kind of have that come and see part of ministry. I think a little bit in our culture, I'm noticing, especially with a lot of young ministry leaders, is they're kind of rejecting this idea of come and see because of, you know, the rejection of the attractional model or more entertainment driven mm-hmm. ministry. But I think I think it's go and tell, but it's also come and see. I think it's both. And, you know, I don't think they these things need to be mutually exclusive to one another. Like, you know, it's both. And 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 I'm seeing it even now in events we're doing. Um, there's not an event we've done over the last year where we haven't seen at least 20 to 40 students come to know Christ at these events that we're doing because we're sharing the gospel. So I see some of value. I also see events as an opportunity for ministries to 
get a shot of momentum at really important times in the year when they're yeah. doing, you know, when certain things go down and they give your ministry a shot in the arm when you need it, which I think is, is another important thing. And then another, and kind of the last thing I'll say, and then we could talk about other stuff, but, but I think it's important. Um, what I, what I do with events is I like to, I like to get, a perspective volunteers, you know, as I'm building a leadership pipeline, like I love when I'm recruiting volunteer leaders and they're like, well, what is my first step? And I'm like, you know what? We got this thing next Wednesday night or two weeks from now, man, I want you to come to that. And I want you just to see it and experience it. And when they come and they feel the energy of the room and they see kind of the students interacting and they see the ministry potential. And then when we share the gospel and they see you know, 20 students come to know Jesus and they're in that room. They're like, I want to be a part of this, you know? So it becomes a, it comes a pretty cool opportunity to, you know, recruit leaders to your team as well. I mean, there's so many advantages in my opinion to doing what I would call more like effective events, not just events, but like effective events. There are, there are, uh, there is enough value in it where I think that, um, you know, doing it is important that just that even that those that idea we hear in ministry, you know, moments lead to movements or moments lead to momentum. And they they really do. They really yeah. do. Not just for the individual student, but also for the ministry corporately together. Yeah. So I love the way you defined events at the very beginning, because I think sometimes when we say that word, people immediately go to the bigger things, you know, your weekend retreat, something you're traveling to doing to go do the camp. But the way that you defined it broadened that a little bit because you said anything bigger that you're going to do outside of the normal weekly programming. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be this. I'm spending a larger portion of my budget. We're getting on a van or a bus and we're going somewhere but outside of the normal programming. So I think that's a helpful definition for people. And as we begin to think through uh, doing events with wisdom and strategy, you know, you mentioned there's a difference between being event driven and doing events well. And I think that's a good place to kind of drill down and, and talk a little bit more as we dive into how do we think about events strategically? What is it? So let's start with what does it look like for you as you're teaching rooms full of student pastors yeah. all the time? Hey, here's the difference between being event driven and doing strategic events. How do you walk them through thinking that way? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think one of the big things that I would start with is just saying, don't do events just to do events. That yeah. it's not, you know, uh, there's there's kind of this idea and, uh, you know, and it's kind of how 90s youth ministry and early 2000s youth ministry, you know, when I was starting out, it's kind of how we did it. It was, you know, more is better and more is not better. Better is better. So I would rather do a few really good events than I would a whole bunch of poorly executed events, which um, when we talk about culture in a little bit, I want to mention something on that thought. So we'll come back to that thought. But as I'm just kind of throwing out some some thoughts on this, I think. I think it's important that when I'm looking at events or what I'm doing in my ministry, I want to look and see how does it fit strategically into the scope of what we're doing over the entire year of our ministry and uh, and and kind of learning. And it, this would be really important for you, you, for the young student ministry leaders that are that are listening as well, because, you know, there's an ebb and flow to ministry. There's a reason why, you know, in most of your churches, your senior pastor doesn't preach the week after 
you know, the week after Christmas or, you know, the like Labor Day weekend or Memorial Day weekend. There's an ebb and flow of ministry and they know that, well, typically those attendance times are going to be down and those are a good time for them to let a guest speaker speak or to do something else within the church or within the ministry. And so they understand the ebb and flow of ministry and we should understand that as well in student ministry. So as an example, I know that August and September are the two most important times in the year for for growth, numerical growth in the ministry, for evangelism when it comes to our ministry. Your student ministry is going to grow more in August and September than it will the other 10 months during the year if you're really strategic about that time. The, the second best time would be January, you know, as people are making New Year's resolutions and things are starting back. So because I know that, I'm going to plan something maybe towards the end of August, two to three weeks after school starts, like a back to school bash or something like that, so that I can inject some momentum into the ministry. I can fire the students up about inviting their friends because I know that their friends are much more receptive during this time to come to something in a ministry than they typically would be in like July, which is probably the deadest month of the year in student ministry, right? Mm -hmm. So just kind of understanding a little bit uh, a little bit of that, um, you know, kind of helps you with the strategy. You know, it. I used to do. I used to do events like I would do like an end of the year event, like call it like end of May, like summer bash type of thing. And then I really just started backing up and thinking strategically about it. And I go, why am I amping up and spending all this money, staff energy, volunteer energy? to do this event at the end of the year that is leading into the most inconsistent deadest time of the year, right? Everybody's leaving. Yeah. Everybody's leaving. So would it be better for me to take that budget money and move it somewhere else in the year that would provide a more effective opportunity for me to reach students or disciple students to help them take a next step in their faith? So I think, you know, that's one thing that I would think through. Um, Another thing I would say is, is that a lot of ministries are very uh, event heavy uh, they, they, you know, it's we, well, we're doing a trivia night on Saturday night and then we're doing this lock in thing and they're doing tons of these type of events. And sometimes that's expected from the culture of the church that you attend, mm-hmm. because the cu- culture of the church you attend is much more event based as well. Um, but I think it's important that before you decide an event that you're going to do or after you do something like some type of an event, whatever it is. You have a feedback and evaluation process that follows that particular event. And I do this with every single thing that I do. And it and, and it and really it's you being a good steward and a good leader to what God has entrusted you to from the money you're spending, from the time that you're spending, from the, you know, uh, the energy and all that type of stuff. I think it's important because and so just as an example, um, you know, I would ask you when you're doing an event. And after the event, can you point to measurable data? Let's come to this is the academic side yeah. that would show that what you did was effective. So you might ask questions like, and, and I do this with, with what I do. I teach my students uh, as well and youth pastors this as well. But, uh, but I ask questions like, how many kids got saved? Uh, you know, um, how many students took a next step in their walk with God? Um, did the relational connectivity with our leaders and students increase, you know, over you know, as a result of this thing that we're doing, because you may do something that's more of a pre-evangelism type event, right? Um, I'll ask questions like uh, six months from now, like six months after the event, how many students can we point to that are now connected into the ministry that I'm leading and that, that we're, we're a part of now. And, and, and I'll give you an example. My first uh, 
10 years of student ministry, I bet you I did at least 15 lock-ins. I did at least once a year. And sometimes I would do them twice a year because I'd had students like, let's do lock-ins, let's do lock-ins, let's do lock-ins, right? And they would want to do that. And that was a big thing, you know, back then. I realize some of you listening, you might do lock-ins and your students are begging you to do lock-ins and you might love it. And it might be a great event for you. You may have figured out the something that I was not ever able to figure out. But this is what would happen. I would do a lock-in and I would get done with the lock-in. I would be smoked. It would take me like five days to recover. My leaders would be smoked. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I always had some crazy discipline thing that would happen at like four o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, the bus would break down or we'd get a flat tire heading to the bowling alley at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like something would always go wrong, you know, and this is what would happen. What would happen is I would always have like 25% more students that would show up to the lock-in that, that would, that then, you know, would attend our ministry night. So the, so the picture to the pastor and to the leaders were, Oh, look how many kids we had. We had all these new kids, but six months later I would go, none of those kids are attending our ministry yeah, and nobody got saved. And then I would start backtracking and I started realizing, wait a minute, all the kids that are coming to my lock-in, are the kids that go to the other churches in the area around me whose youth pastors are already smart enough to not do a lock-in and they're just <laughs> coming over to our lock-in and then they're going back to their churches. Yeah. And so I'm going, dude, like I'm wasting my time right now doing something that just at the end of the day doesn't carry the level of ministry effectiveness that I think is important for me to justify to do that event. I couldn't point to any measurable data that would suggest that I was being a good steward of the church's finances, of my time, of you know of my leader's time, and all that. And I just think that as you think through, those are some things that um, that I would think through. And yeah, that's yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, and if it would be helpful, I think there would be. Um, I think you should think strategically about this as we've been talking. As we've been talking about one of the things that you know, a couple kind of pieces of advice that I would maybe give on this would be. Um, um, that I that I'll teach my students is that um, one of the things as a strategic thing is I do I like to do more in ministry event type of things on my ministry night or during my ministry time. Yeah. But for example, we do our student ministry on Wednesday night. I'm not doing a, thing, a random thing on Friday night. We'll do it on our ministry night, but it might be like a post service thing. So it might be like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to do worship, we're going to do teaching, but after the service. You know, we're, we're going to have, you know, for an hour after the service, we're going to have a silent disco and we're going to have Chick-fil-A and we're going to have this. Right. And I'll do that on my ministry night. And what I get my students when new when students come, it's like, hey, we do this every Wednesday night. Come back next week. Right. Yeah. So that might be, um, you know, something I would suggest for a lot of people to do, you know, because it's hard, man. You're doing your student ministry every week and you're throwing events in between there. But if you can try to put it on your ministry night, you can elevate your ministry nights and get students coming back perpetually over time or, or doing events at strategic times. Like um, I like to plan stuff right after spring break because I know that after spring break attendance tends to go down. So within two weeks after spring break, I'm promoting something going into spring break so that I can get them back after spring break. Does that make sense? It does. That's little things like that. Right. Yeah. I love you've talked about different points in the calendar to make sure and hit those, those high points that you can, take advantage of momentum that might be naturally there. I like that post spring break time too, because man, I've always felt, and I feel this as a parent and I felt it as a student pastor after spring break 
to the to the end of school feels so long. Yeah. Like it is just this wasteland. And so to come out of that with some momentum and kickstart, I love. Yeah. One of the other yeah. things that I wanted to follow up on from what you were saying in the strategy of the event is the measurables. So yeah. thinking about those, having the things that you're going to measure with, and then uh, in your evaluation process, who do you bring in? Is that I'm going to grab some volunteers. If you're at a place that has multiple staff, obviously that's, I'm sure that's a part of it parents, students, what does that evaluation process look like uh, with people that you might bring in? Yeah. You know, um, one of the things that, one of the things that I think, I think God gives every pastor, especially, I think God gives you discernment a little bit too, where, you know, you're a major part of that evaluation process. You're going to see things differently, but oftentimes you need fresh eyes on it. So a lot of times what I like to do is I like to bring in another pastor leader that I respect that is on staff at the church Maybe it's the children's pastor or maybe it's the, you know, someone in another area. And I just say, hey, would you mind coming and just giving mm. me some fresh eyes on this particular thing? Um, they might see something different because I'm in the midst of it, uh, you know, and in the, yeah. the, you know, the nitty gritty of it that I might miss something that they would see. So I usually do that. The second thing I do is I, I get some key leaders, some key volunteers, and I have them, uh, you know, kind of evaluated as well. And then obviously, if you have a staff, typically what I do is, um, uh, you know, I have like a like a woofoo form or something like that that I would send out that the staff would fill out. And uh, and then at the end of the event, within 48 hours, I like to sit down and talk about it once fresh on people's mind. Yeah. And I like for us to sit down and talk about it and take a half an hour to an hour to just digest it. If it's not that big of an event, if there's not a lot to talk about, then you don't need to take that much time. But I give the room for that. And maybe some of our planning meetings or things like that, where we could, you know, have that discussion. Um, and so to me, like for me, that's how I do it. Now, what I also train my staff on, and this is what I do myself and, and, and I have, and I could show you on my phone as well, but on my notes on my phone, I have our student ministry on there. And I have within the notes, um, literally every single night of student ministry, I'm making notes on my phone. So if I see something with check-in or if I see something with, mm. you know, um, a, a staff member or a volunteer or a security situation or, um, man, how we did that response was a little off or that transition or, or whatever it might be, I make that note in my phone because I know that on Monday, when I get to that meeting that, and it's been a few days since Wednesday, I'm not going to remember all of those things. Yeah. So that's something I do. And that keeps it fresh. And I teach my team to do that. So that when we sit down, we're not just like, okay, let me think back to the event. What were things that I liked or didn't like, but there's actually things on your thing that you can look to. And then, you know, um, I think it's important. And, you know, I think, you know, it's important that we're capturing information from students. Like we're capturing attendance from students through a yeah. check-in deal where capturing like when a student responds to salvation or whatever. So I have data on that. I can look and go, man, we had seven kids respond to the gospel tonight or whatever, right? Like I have that. And now I can go follow up with these kids and determine, did they come forward because our friend came forward? Did they come forward because it was a rededication or did they come forward because it's a first time salvation decision? And so some of that data might come a little bit later than, you know, right off, right off the bat. But I'm yeah. thinking through that because I need to go back and measure it against, well, we spent $5,000 on this thing. We saw one kid come to know Christ. 
Well, that's awesome. Like one kid got saved, but could we have spent $5,000 and a hundred volunteer hours and, and staff hours to do something else that would have, you know, given us more fruit or connected with our students that in the community that didn't know Jesus more, more effectively. Leaders are always building culture in whatever they do. You've been a person who's built culture in a lot of different settings, smaller churches to massive churches to now serving at Liberty. How can an event help a leader inject some positive, healthy culture into their environment? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, let me give a little little sub answer for student pastors first. Yeah, man. One of the things that I that I that I tell my students that are that are, you know, going into youth ministry, that are going to be youth pastors and youth ministry leaders is um, I tell them that there's important cultures that you need to create within your student ministry. I think one of the most important cultures that you as a leader need to create is what I call a culture of credibility, that you need to create a culture of credibility. And let me let me explain. I think I think that credibility is the currency of leadership. If you have lots of credibility, you can do very little and get lots of results. If you have low credibility, you can do a whole lot and get low results. It's the reason why if you're at a church who where the pastor planted the church and he's been the pastor there for 30 years, if he says, man, I feel like we need to do this, he doesn't have to do much to get the ball rolling. But if yeah. you're a brand new senior pastor, you've been at the church for a year and a half and you followed that guy that's been there for 30 years, <laughs> right? It might take you a year to get that same decision made because of credibility, right? So I think credibility is the currency of leadership. And I think there's sub points under credibility. Like I think excellence is a sub point under there. I think like yeah. character, like if you don't have character, you don't have credibility. So this is what happens. And I see this happen in student ministries all the time. What will happen is a student pastor will get up and they'll be like, we got this event coming up and they'll do this. They'll go, they'll go, hey, you need to bring your friends. You need to get everybody here. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be dope. It's going to be amazing. Get everybody there. Come on. It's going to be awesome. And then what happens is they invite their friends and they all come. And then it's lame <laughs> and it doesn't connect to them. Yeah. And so then the next time you do an event, you get up there on the stage like, oh, this event's going to be awesome. You show some video and all this. You need to come. You need to invite your friends. And then you get to the event and they didn't invite their friends. Yeah. And you're going, dude, why didn't you invite your friends? If all of you guys just invited one person, we would have doubled tonight, but none of you invited your friends. And then you get mad at them when you don't need to be mad at them. You need to be mad at yourself because you lost that credibility. And then this is what happens. What happens is, is that let's say um, a new leader comes in and when that new leader comes in, they're doing things with excellence. <laughs> so they then go and they, they tell the students, invite your friends. Well, they go and invite their friends, but they've already been one time. They've already been there, done that. And once they've done that, it's really difficult for them to come back. Like, yeah, you said it was going to be cool last time and it was lame. Right. And um, I had a friend of mine um, who who I really respect in youth ministry. And he came on staff at 12 Stone when I was there and at one of our campuses. And they had low credibility when it came to things that they were doing. And so he, he came on staff at that campus and he did things really well and, and all of that. And it, it took him two years to get mm. out of that as a result of that. So I think when it comes to events, man, as a leader, you just need to you need to put the work in and you need to put the the time in. And you need if you tell students it's going to be good, like it needs to be good and it needs to be something that, you know, they can invite their friends to. And I'm telling you, when I get on the stage and I tell my students, 
hey, next week is going to be awesome. Like it's going to be like you need to bring your friends, you need to whatever. Like they bring their friends because they know, like they yeah. know, like if I say it, like I'm going to deliver. And so you have to have a little bit of that, you know, in you as a leader to go, hey, man, if I say it, like I need to deliver. I mean, there's tons of cultures I think are important within student ministry, creating a culture of reverence, creating a culture of of uh, spiritual intimacy and intensity, creating a, you know, a culture of, um, you know, of, of fun, which I think mm-hmm. events do do that. I think you need yeah. to have fun that. You know, the world really paints the church as being boring and dead. It's why I didn't go to church and I didn't get saved till I was a senior in high school because I went to church when I was a kid and I hated it. I thought it was boring. You know, I, I like Jim Rayburn from, you know, Young Life's, you know, uh, famous quote of, you know, it's a sin to bore kids with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, so create, you know, that it does create the, the fun culture. But I think the most important thing that the event culture creates is a culture of life change. And I think it's important that you keep life change in front of your students and your leaders all the time because that fires them up and that keeps the ministry focused on track. So as an example, I don't do a big event where we're not going to share the gospel. If I got all these lost kids here, we're going to share the gospel. Just bottom line, like we're going to share the gospel and we're going to give students an opportunity to get saved. And one of the a couple of things that I like to do is I like to use visuals that. perpetuate this idea that life change is happening in our ministry all the time. So as an example, last year uh, at Thomas Road, when I started there, um, I I talked about at our back to school bash, I talked about light and darkness. And I talked about, you know, uh, 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 John chapter three and Nicodemus and how he comes to Jesus in the dark. And, you know, all the, you know, I talked about that. And, uh, and this is not this year, this is the year before. And so we had this cross that was made and, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen different things where, you know, people can come up, screw a light bulb in or whatever, if they want to surrender yeah. their life to Jesus. So at the end of the message, it was, hey, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you know, um, and we had them come come to a room. We talked to them and then they came up, they write their name, you know, to make sure it's a first time salvation. They write their name on it. They go and they screwed the light bulb in. Well, we leave that cross up the entire year, the entire school year. And every time a student in our ministry gets saved they screw a light bulb in there and the students get to see that Mm. every single week. So from the stage every week, at some point we're pointing to, Hey, and just so you know, man, we're so fired up about what God's doing here. Every single one of those light bulbs represents students that have said yes to Jesus this year. And there may be some of you in here and you may not agree with us, but we're glad that you're here. You may not know the songs. We're glad that you're here, but we want you to lean in because we believe God has something for you, you know, yeah. and 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 then they get to see all, you know, this life change always in front of them. And I've done that. I've done many different ways to do that, but it keeps that life change in front of them all the time. They're seeing their friends, that that student that's been praying for their friend that doesn't know Jesus, and then that friend comes to the event, and then that friend gets saved. Man, that fires that student up for their own personal faith and uh, and for their friend, you know. And and so, anyways, um, I think that you can tell I get passionate about this stuff. No, that's good. But man. I think I think that to me is really some of the cultures that you know. And there's more, but I mean, that that to me is is what it helps create in your ministry and and excitement about what God is doing. Yeah. I love the language around developing a culture of life change and keeping that in front with visuals and thinking through like Mm. how, how every week can we point people back to what God's doing here? It builds confidence in students, builds confidence in parents, builds confidence in the people that are leading you. I love that. Uh, One of the, I wanted to follow up with a question on 
the credibility piece. Yeah. Cause that's developed. You named some of the things that help develop, develop credibility, the excellence, like following through and, in, in doing what you're, what you're saying you're going to provide communication helps with the credibility piece, but specifically with a student pastor who stands up and, and this happens every week, like you nailed it. It's, Hey, this is going to be awesome. Invite your friends. And then sometimes it is, and sometimes it may not be. Yeah. What I thought of when you were saying that is, man, the only way that we're really going to know if it's going to be awesome is to have enough relationship with the students in the room to know what they think is awesome. Exactly. And to involve them somehow in the process of, hey, we want to reach your friends, so we really need to know what that's going to take, what you guys would invite your friends to, what they're going to believe is awesome. No, I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, um, man, if you want to do a, a effective student ministry from your preaching uh, to your the things that you do, man, you have to have a pulse on what students are doing and what they're thinking and what they like and what they enjoy. And um, and this, again, goes back, uh, Ben, too, to where I would say, Frankly, I'm more I am more of a again, like I said, more is not better, better is better. Dude, I do I do a retreat in the winter in February. I do camp in the summer. I do a back to school bash. I do a Halloween bash. And I do like another maybe event type of thing after spring break. And then everything else is built into our ministry night. And all those things are on our ministry night. So yeah. um in a calendar year over the last 10 years of ministry, I have not done one extra event thing on a Saturday or a Friday or or, a, or, or, a, or whatever that wasn't like a leadership development or some type of training or something for my volunteers or something like that, right? But yeah. just an event type of thing. But by doing that, I pick my spots and I'm strategic so that I got plenty of time to prepare and know that when I do it, like it's going to be great. And, and I, I, and, and I think this would be, maybe this would be helpful for some of you as well. Um, I do creative team meetings. Mm-hmm. Now here's the thing. Um, I'm decently creative. Like I would say like I'm a seven out of 10, but I try to, I try to get people in the room that are like 10 out of 10s and like nine out of 10s, people that are more creative than I am. And I do a creative meeting and I like to do it once a month. I do it for series that I do or different things like that. And my my first rule of the creative meeting is, is that there's no such thing as a dumb idea. Now we know that there's dumb ideas, but there's no such thing as a dumb idea. <laughs> Not in that moment. <laughs> no, but sometimes people thought an idea and you're like, man, that's kind of a dumb idea, but it will spark your mind yeah, and your thinking sure. to another idea. And if people think their idea is dumb, they just won't share it. And then you miss some of the gold. And their idea might not be the idea, but it might be the impetus to the idea that you actually do. Right. So anyways, and so and and so I think and I'm thinking all the time, like I'm thinking 365 days of the year, like at times about my back to school bash. I'm already thinking about it for next August. Like I'm already thinking about it. And the best idea that I come up with for whatever I file that for that, you know what I mean? And I literally sometimes with like events like that, I think if I was a high. okay, so so I have my students at Liberty uh, and my students at Liberty and our strategies for outreach class. They have to plan an event and they do it as a group and then they go and they they deliver it like in front of the class. 
And I tell them, what is going to be unexpected about your event? What's going to be unexpected about it? I said, listen, if you come in here and you do your group presentation is our event is we're going to meet at the park and we're going to have pizza and we're going to play ultimate Frisbee and we're going to have nine square or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you're going to get a zero, right? (laughs) And I said, I'm going to tell you why, why you're going to get a zero. I said, I just want you to imagine for a minute, a 16 year old high school kid guy walking up to his buddies at school who are lost, who are going to be smoking pot and getting partying this weekend you know, at the party, I want you to imagine him walking up to them and going, Hey fellas, y'all want to come to church with me tonight? We're going up to the park and we're playing some ultimate Frisbee and eating pizza. Y'all want to come? Like, I want you to imagine that conversation. They're going to look at him like, (laughs) nah, we're good, man. You know what I'm saying? So you, you got to think a little bit, like think a little bit more deep. And so in my opinion, if it's not going to have credibility, if it's going to be weak sauce, like I'm just not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'd rather not do the event than do the event and it not have credibility. You know what I mean? And I could give you ideas of big of like stuff that that they do that. But I guess what I mean is a lot of times when ministry leaders are thinking about what are we going to do? They think about it for like five minutes. They think about it in like a one hour meeting and they're trying to come up with and go, okay, well, let's go do that. And I'm telling you that I am thinking about it all year. I'm thinking about it in every meeting. I'm setting aside specific time to think, dream, and talk about how can we make this better and how can this attach to students. When that 16-year-old guy walks up to his buddies and he says, hey, bro, we're doing this, they're like, dude, I'm in. Yeah. Like, I, I am not going to miss that, you know? Yeah, I like that. Or they're, or they're thinking about something that they think that would be fun for them, but that may not... That may not be fun for the students in the room. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that too. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I'm super thankful that you have uh, carved out time in your day to spend with us and talk about culture and talk about events. And man, it has uh, it has been really beneficial. And uh, I'm I'm excited to pass this on to the listeners for them to for them to dive into it, too. A lot of lot of stuff for you guys to think about today. Derek, man, thanks so much for giving the time to join us on the podcast today to talk about some of the things you're doing in the classroom, to talk about some of the things that you have experienced in the local church that you're even doing right now on a daily basis and thinking about leading the student ministry there at Thomas Road. I want to give you an opportunity uh, to tell people what you guys have going on in youth ministry at Liberty University. Honestly, in my opinion, it is one of the best places for youth ministry education right now. Um, and I love what you guys are doing. And so would love for you to help people connect with that. If they're looking for furthering their education, or maybe they have students in their ministry that are looking to go into the youth ministry, into youth ministry. So tell them how they can connect with you and, uh, with what you guys are doing at the center for youth ministry there. Yeah. Well, the first way you can connect with me, if you just want to connect with me straight off is through my email, dwidle at liberty.edu. And yeah, I mean, here at Liberty, we are we're committed to the youth ministry training program here being the special forces of youth ministry training in the country. And we're we're bringing in um, the who's who of churches and youth ministry leaders to be a part of our classrooms and a part of our teaching and instruction and connection with students. And and we believe that that's valuable and that's important. And uh, also, uh, you know, and most most training programs at at most universities to get like a youth ministry degree, you take like a couple classes, like two or three classes, and then you're taking a lot of like Christian ministry courses or other things like that. Uh, Here, 
there are nine uh, uh, youth ministry courses plus a, a 400 hour internship. Uh, this is just for undergraduate. And additionally, we want to balance that practical ministry with the theological and biblical training. And so when our students are leaving, like they know what they're supposed to do and how to do ministry uh, effectively and how to adjust as we know ministry adjusts over time. But man, if you're interested, man, we have, you know, residential programs, we have online programs as well. Uh, we have master's, uh, a master's degree that you can get as well as now a D-Men in uh, next gen ministry or youth ministry. And uh, so if you're in a youth ministry or a children's ministry, um, uh, even track, one of the things that we do in our program with those who sense a call into children's ministry is we let them do everything that they do in the youth ministry tr program designed towards children's ministry. And, uh, you know, a lot of the leadership principles and all that stuff are the same. It's just kind of applying it to a different age group. And uh, so anyways, I mean, yeah, it's it's um, it's an amazing program. It's also, you know, one of the largest program. I think it is the largest program. Uh, we have about 130 students just in our undergraduate residential program that are studying to be student ministry uh, pastors and leaders when they graduate. And uh, so anything that we can do as a school of divinity um, or as a program to support you, uh, even if it's just, hey, man, can we pick y'all's brain about anything in ministry, man, we just want to be a resource to you as well. Man, I, and I really do. Like, I, I'm not just saying it, podcast listeners, they are doing some great stuff. And we need all 130 of those people to graduate and be ready to do student ministry because I don't know the last time any of you tried to find a student pastor or talked to a church that was like, hey, do you have any friends that are looking for student ministry? We need more people in the pool to go lead student ministries and churches. So I'm thankful for you guys, uh, Derek, thankful for your friendship and uh, man, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, brother. All right. We'll be right back. Producer Nathan and I, after this quick message, Hey, thanks for hanging in there. Wanted to take a quick second to share with you about one of the ways that we at Lifeway students can help you and fuel your ministry in the area of events. And that is through our summer camp ministries. So we have Student Life, Student Life for Kids, Centra Kid, and Fuge Camps. And all of those do a great job of providing an event atmosphere that allows you to deepen the culture of your ministry, allows you to press fast forward on relationships with your students. And they're structured in such a way to take a lot of responsibility off of your plate so that you can focus in on relationships and discipleship with your students and your group while you're there. It is a great opportunity to take advantage of an event that's going to push you forward in your culture, that's going to give students an opportunity to respond to the gospel, take a next step in their journey with Jesus. You can find out more at studentlife.com or fuge.com. And if you have kid ministry friends, then Centra Kid and Student Life for Kids dot coms. All right. Producer Nathan, a uh, yes, lot of stuff in that one. Um, mm -hmm. What are you walking away with? Big takeaways from today. Two, yeah, two of the big takeaways for me today was I love how intentional he is about the calendar and planning those events to fit into the calendar. I've definitely yeah. been in the context and seen other churches where it's, whether you want to call it event driven, or maybe it's just the culture of like, Hey, we need to, we need to provide events, you know, 
every week outside of the weekly programming. And man, that gets, it feels like you become an event planner, not a student pastor at that point. Right. That's right. And so I love how strategic he is about this event needs to fit this time. Even like, man, we were doing this event and it was good, but it wasn't really the best. And so moving it to a more beneficial time, more strategic spot in the calendar. I think that's huge. Uh, The other thing I loved is how much he talked about planning for his event year around. So like the really big event, like thinking about it, constantly making time in the calendar, you know, making sure it has the resources that it needs so that it can be a really great event, a big event. Cause I mean, it, some people would, some people may argue with me, but more planning is never a bad thing. And so some people no. I think are like, no, we, if we plan too much, then we take all the fun and the spontaneous out of it. And I'm like, I've, I've spent years of my life planning for camp and that has never been true. We can still have fun. We can still be spontaneous in the good ways. Spontaneous in a very planned way is the strategic thinker in me. The the one would say, right. So yeah, that's right. But anyway, so, I mean, I, I just think that in this case, like he said, more isn't always better, you know, better is better. So I really like that kind of quote from him, but strategically thinking through spending that time, making those few events really great, really strategic, really evangelistic, as you could clearly hear from him, I think was a fantastic thing. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting about what you said. And it's one of the things I appreciate about you and being able to work with you is the mind for planning and like behind the scenes, like you make a lot of this stuff happen and go here with what we do from a content perspective and production perspective with LifeWay students. But it, it is true that when you plan well on the front end, it actually gives you more freedom for the spontaneous mm-hmm. during the event. And people don't really think of it that way very much, but it actually doesn't shrink your boundaries. It gives you room to actually play in the spontaneous yep. when the event gets there. Uh, we've seen that happen over and over. One of the things that stood out to me Uh, out of several, I'll just focus in on one for the sake of time, is the evaluation process. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked about evaluation process on the podcast before, and uh, it's a part of our training stuff that we do, and we're big believers in bringing people in to help you evaluate. What he added to it this time that I really liked and was really challenging was six months later, what is the ongoing impact of that event? Mm Mm-hmm. Who are the people that are still connected to the ministry six months later as a result of that event that we did? So it takes not just a snapshot of here's how we feel about this event right now after it, which he does do as well, but it also says what's the lasting impact. And I think that's a really important component for student pastors to think through because then it helps build the thing that we talk about a lot, and that's the follow-up process. Because if you want that event to have the lasting impact and you want students who come to that thing to be involved six months later, then there are going to be plans and actions that you put in place to help make that a reality rather than just say, hey, we hope this happens. Yep. Hoping it happens isn't the strategic action. But if you want it to be something where students six months later are saying, I came to that, I'm still here, I'm growing in my relationship with the Lord then there are steps in that six-month period that need to be taken. And I thought that was a really, really good call out by Derek mm-hmm. in that measures moment to say, hey, six months from now, what's the what's the lasting impact? Well, you heard uh, Derek give his information, dwidle at 
liberty.edu. And you can find out more information about everything that they're doing in training student ministry leaders. So head over there, find that out and see if something that you need matches up with what they have. All right. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We'll see you later. 